Section thirty one of the Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume four by James Boswell, Section thirty one. To James Boswell, Esquire, dear sir, you could do nothing so proper as to haste back when you found the parliament dissolved with the influence which your address must have gained you it may reasonably be expected that your presence will be of importance and your activity of effect your solicitude for me gives me that pleasure which every man feels from the kindness of such a friend it is with delight i relieve it by telling that dr brocklesby's account is true and that i am by the blessing of god wonderfully relieved you are entering upon a transaction which requires much prudence you must endeavour to oppose without exasperating to practise temporary hostility without producing enemies for life this is perhaps hard to be done yet it has been done by many and seems most likely to be effected by opposing merely upon general principles without descending to personal or particular censures or objections one thing i must enjoin you which is seldom observed in the conduct of elections i must entreat you to be scrupulous in the use of strong liquors one night's drunkenness may defeat the labours of forty days well employed be firm but not clamorous be active but not malicious and you may form such an interest as may not only exalt yourself but dignify your family we are as you may suppose all busy here mr fox resolutely stands for westminster and his friends say will carry the election however that be he will certainly have a seat footnote he was returned also for kirkwall for which place he sat for nearly a year while the scrutiny of the westminster election was dragging on End of footnote. mr hoole has just told me that the city leans towards the king let me hear from time to time how you are employed and what progress you make make dear mrs boswell and all the young boswells the sincere compliments of sir your affectionate humble servant samuel johnson london march the thirtieth seventeen eighty four to mr langton he wrote with that cordiality which was suitable to the long friendship which had subsisted between him and that gentleman footnote hannah moore wrote on march the eighth i am sure you will honour mr langton when i tell you he has come on purpose to stay with dr johnson and that during his illness he has taken a little lodging in fleet street in order to be near to devote himself to him he has as much goodness as learning and that is saying a bold thing of one of the first greek scholars we have End of footnote. march twenty seventh 
since you left me i have continued in my own opinion and dr brocklesby's to grow better with respect to all my formidable and dangerous distempers though to a body battered and shaken as mine has lately been it is to be feared that weak attacks may be sometimes mischievous i have indeed by standing carelessly at an open window got a very troublesome cough which it has been necessary to appease by opium in larger quantities than i like to take and i have not found it give way so readily as i expected its obstinacy however seems at last disposed to submit to the remedy and i know not whether i should then have a right to complain of any morbid sensation my asthma is i am afraid constitutional and incurable but it is only occasional and unless it be excited by labour or by cold gives me no molestation nor does it lay very close siege to life for sir john floyer whom the physical race consider as author of one of the best books upon it panted on to ninety as was supposed and why will we content with supposing a fact so interesting of a man so conspicuous because he corrupted at perhaps seventy or eighty the register that he might pass for younger than he was he was not much less than eighty when to a man of rank who modestly asked his age he answered go look though he was in general a man of civility and elegance the ladies i find are at your house all well except miss langton who will probably soon recover her health by light suppers let her eat at dinner as she will but not take a full stomach to bed pay my sincere respects to dear miss langton in lincolnshire and let her know that i mean not to break our league of friendship and that i have a set of lives for her when i have the means of sending it april the eighth i am still disturbed by my cough but what thanks have i not to pay when my cough is the most painful sensation that i feel and from that i expect hardly to be released while winter continues to gripe us with so much pertinacity the year has now advanced eighteen days beyond the equinox and still there is very little remission of the cold when warm weather comes which surely must come at last i hope it will help both me and your young lady the man so busy about addresses is neither more nor less than our own boswell who had come as far as york towards london but turned back on the dissolution and is said now to stand for some place whether to wish him success his best friends hesitate let me have your prayers for the completion of my recovery i am now better than i ever expected to have been may god add to his mercies the grace that may enable me to use them according to his will my compliments to all april the thirteenth i had this evening a note from lord portmore desiring that i would give you an account of my health Footnote. to which johnson returned this answer 
to the right honourable earl of portmore dr johnson acknowledges with great respect the honour of lord portmore's notice he is better than he was and will as his lordship directs write to mr langton bolt court fleet street april thirteenth seventeen eighty four johnson here assumes his title of doctor which boswell says so far as he knew he never did perhaps the letter has been wrongly copied or perhaps johnson thought that in writing to a man of title he ought to assume such title as he himself had End of footnote. you might have had it with less circumduction i am by god's blessing i believe free from all morbid sensations except a cough which is only troublesome but i am still weak and can have no great hope of strength till the weather shall be softer the summer if it be kindly will i hope enable me to support the winter god who has so wonderfully restored me can preserve me in all seasons let me inquire in my turn after the state of your family great and little i hope lady rothes and miss langton are both well that is a good basis of content then how goes george on with his studies how does miss mary and how does my own jenny i think i owe jenny a letter which i will take care to pay in the meantime tell her that i acknowledge the debt be pleased to make my compliments to the ladies if mrs langton comes to london she will favour me with a visit for i am not well enough to go out to Isaias humphrey esq footnote the eminent painter representative of the ancient family of humphrey now humphrey in the west of england who as appears from their arms which they have invariably used have been as i have seen authenticated by the best authority one of those among the knights and esquires of honour who are represented by holinshed as having issued from the tower of london on courses apparelled for the justes accompanied by ladies of honour leading every one a knight with a chain of gold passing through the streets of london into smithfield on sunday at three o'clock in the afternoon being the first sunday after michaelmas in the fourteenth year of king richard the second this family once enjoyed large possessions but like others have lost them in the progress of ages their blood however remains to them well ascertained and they may hope in the revolution of events to recover that rank in society for which in modern times fortune seems to be an indispensable requisite boswell End of footnote. so mr hoole has told me with what benevolence you listen to a request which i was almost afraid to make of leave to a young painter footnote, son of mr samuel patterson boswell in the first two editions after patterson is added eminent for his knowledge of books End of footnote, to attend you from time to time in your painting-room to see your operations and receive your instructions footnote, Humphrey, on his first coming to London, poor and unfriended, was helped 
by Reynolds. End of footnote. The young man has perhaps good parts, but has been without a regular education. He is my godson, and therefore I interest myself in his progress and success, and shall think myself much favoured if I receive from you a permission to send him. My health is, by God's blessing, much restored, but I am not yet allowed by my physicians to go abroad, nor indeed do I think myself yet able to endure the weather. I am, sir, your most humble servant, Samuel Johnson, April the 5th, 1784. To the same, sir, the bearer is my godson, whom I take the liberty of recommending to your kindness, which I hope he will deserve by his respect to your excellence and his gratitude for your favours. I am, sir, your most humble servant, Samuel Johnson, April the 10th, 1784. To the same, sir. I am very much obliged by your civilities to my godson, but must beg of you to add to them the favour of permitting him to see you paint, that he may know how a picture is begun, advanced, and completed. If he may attend you in a few of your operations, I hope he will show that the benefit has been properly conferred, both by his proficiency and his gratitude. At least I shall consider you as enlarging your kindness to so your humble servant, Samuel Johnson, May the 31st, 1784. To the Reverend Dr. Taylor, Ashbourne, Derbyshire. Dear Sir, what can be the reason that I hear nothing from you? I hope nothing disables you from writing. What I have seen and what I have felt gives me reason to fear everything. Do not omit giving me the comfort of knowing that after all my losses I have yet a friend left. I want every comfort. My life is very solitary and very cheerless. Though it has pleased God wonderfully to deliver me from the dropsy, I am yet very weak and have not passed the door since the 13th of December. Footnote. On April the 21st he wrote, after a confinement of a 129 days, more than the third part of a year, and no inconsiderable part of human life, I this day return thanks to God in St. Clement's Church for my recovery. End of footnote. I hope for some help from warm weather, which will surely come in time. I could not have the consent of the physicians to go to church yesterday. I therefore received the Holy Sacrament at home, in the room where I communicated with dear Mrs. Williams, a little before her death. Oh, my friend, the approach of death is very dreadful. I am afraid to think on that which I know I cannot avoid. It is vain to look round and round for that help which cannot be had. Yet we hope and hope and fancy that he who has lived to-day may live to-morrow. But let us learn to derive our hope only from God. In the meantime, let us be kind to one another. I have no friend now living but you and Mr. Hector that was the friend of my youth. Do not neglect, dear sir. Yours affectionately, Samuel Johnson, London, Easter Monday, April the 12th, 1784. Footnote. On April the 26th, he wrote, 
on saturday i showed myself again to the living world at the exhibition much and splendid was the company but like the doge of genoa at paris i admired nothing but myself i went up the stairs to the pictures without stopping to rest or to breathe in all the madness of superfluous health the prince of wales had promised to be there but when we had waited an hour and a half sent us word that he could not come the first gentleman in europe was twenty-one years old when he treated men like johnson and reynolds with this insolence mr forster says that it was at this very dinner that johnson left his seat by desire of the prince of wales and went to the head of the table to be introduced he does not give his authority for the statement End of footnote. what follows is a beautiful specimen of his gentleness and complacency to the young lady his godchild one of the daughters of his friend mr langton then i think in her seventh year he took the trouble to write it in a large round hand nearly resembling printed characters that she might have the satisfaction of reading it herself the original lies before me but shall be faithfully restored to her and i dare say will be preserved by her as a jewel as long as she lives Footnote. mr croker wrote in eighteen forty seven that he had seen it very lately framed and glazed in possession of the lady to whom it was addressed End of footnote. to miss jane langton in rochester kent my dearest miss jenny i am sorry that your pretty letter has been so long without being answered but when i am not pretty well i do not always write plain enough for young ladies i am glad my dear to see that you write so well and hope that you mind your pen your book and your needle for they are all necessary your books will give you knowledge and make you respected and your needle will find you useful employment when you do not care to read when you are a little older i hope you will be very diligent in learning arithmetic and above all that through your whole life you will carefully say your prayers and read your bible I am, my dear, your most humble servant, Samuel Johnson, May the 10th, 1784. On Wednesday, May the 5th, I arrived in London, and next morning had the pleasure to find Dr. Johnson greatly recovered. I but just saw him, for a coach was waiting to carry him to Islington, to the house of his friend, the Reverend Mr. Strawn, where he went sometimes for the benefit of good air, which notwithstanding his having formerly laughed at the general opinion upon the subject he now acknowledged was conducive to health one morning afterwards when i found him alone he communicated to me with solemn earnestness a very remarkable circumstance which had happened in the course of his illness when he was much distressed by the dropsy he had shut himself up and employed a day in particular exercises of religion fasting humiliation and prayer on a sudden he obtained extraordinary relief for which he looked up to heaven with grateful devotion he made no direct inference from this fact but from his manner of telling it 
i could perceive that it appeared to him as something more than an incident in the common course of events footnote cooper wrote on may the tenth to the reverend john newton we rejoice in the account you give us of dr johnson his conversion will indeed be a singular proof of the omnipotence of grace and the more singular the more decided johnson in a prayer that he wrote on april the eleventh said enable me o lord to glorify thee for that knowledge of my corruption and that sense of thy wrath which my disease and weakness and danger awakened in my mind End of footnote. for my own part i have no difficulty to avow that cast of thinking which by many modern pretenders to wisdom is called superstitious but here i think even men of dry rationality may believe that there was an intermediate interposition of divine providence and that the fervent prayer of this righteous man availed footnote upon this subject there is a very fair and judicious remark in the life of dr abernessy in the first edition of the biographical britannica which i should have been glad to see in his life which has been written for the second edition of that valuable work to deny the exercise of a particular providence in the deity's government of the world is certainly impious yet nothing serves the cause of the scorner more than an incautious forward zeal in determining the particular instances of it in confirmation of my sentiments i am also happy to quote that sensible and elegant writer mr melmoth in letter eight of his collection published under the name of fitz osborne we may safely assert that the belief of a particular providence is founded upon such probable reasons as may well justify our assent it would scarce therefore be wise to renounce an opinion which affords so firm a support to the soul in those seasons wherein she stands in most need of assistance merely because it is not possible in questions of this kind to solve every difficulty which attends them Boswell. End of footnote. on sunday may the ninth i found colonel valiancy the celebrated antiquarian and engineer of ireland with him on monday the tenth i dined with him at mr paradise's where was a large company mr bryant mr jodrell mr hawkins brown etc on thursday the thirteenth i dined with him at mr jodrell's with another large company the bishop of exeter lord Mombodo, mr murphy etc Footnote. i was sorry to observe lord Mombodo avoid any communication with dr johnson i flattered myself that i had made them very good friends but unhappily his lordship had resumed and cherished a violent prejudice against my illustrious friend to whom i must do the justice to say there was on his part not the least anger but a good-humoured sportiveness nay though he knew of his lordship's indisposition towards him he was even kindly as appeared from his inquiring of me after him by an abbreviation of his name now how does money boswell boswell says i knew lord monboddo and dr johnson did not love each other 
yet i was unwilling not to visit his lordship and was also curious to see them together accordingly he brought about a meeting four years later in seventeen seventy seven Mombardo received from Johnson a copy of his Journey to the Hebrides. They met again in London in 1780, and perhaps then quarrelled afresh. Dr. Seattle wrote on February 28, 1785, Lord Monboddo's hatred of Johnson was singular. He would not allow him to know anything but Latin grammar, and that, says he, I know as well as he does i never heard johnson say anything severe of him though when he mentioned his name he generally grinned horribly a ghastly smile the use of the abbreviation money on johnson's part scarcely seems a proof of kindliness see ante where he said why sir sherry is dull naturally dull etc and volume three page eighty four where he said i should have thought mund burke would have had more sense and also rogers's boswelliana where he said derry derrick may do very well while he can outrun his character but the moment that his character gets up with him he is gone End of footnote. on saturday may the fifteenth i dined with him at dr brocklesby's where were colonel valiancy mr murphy and that ever cheerful companion mr devane's apothecary to his majesty footnote on may the thirteenth he wrote now i am broken loose my friends seem willing enough to see me but i do not now drive the world about world drives or draws me i am very weak End of footnote of these days and others on which i saw him i have no memorials except the general recollection of his being able and animated in conversation and appearing to relish society as much as the youngest man i find only these three small particulars when a person was mentioned who said i have lived fifty-one years in this world without having had ten minutes of uneasiness he exclaimed the man who says so lies he attempts to impose on human credulity the bishop of exeter in vain observed that men were very different his lordship's manner was not impressive and i learnt afterwards that johnson did not find out that the person who talked to him was a prelate if he had i doubt not that he would have treated him with more respect for once talking of george salmazar whom he reverenced for his piety he said i should as soon think of contradicting a bishop one of the company footnote boswell himself likely enough end of footnote provoked him greatly by doing what he could least of all bear which was quoting something of his own writing against what he then maintained what sir cried the gentleman do you say to the busy day the peaceful night unfelt uncounted glided by johnson finding himself thus presented as giving an instance of a man who had lived without uneasiness was much offended for he looked upon such a quotation as unfair 
his anger burst out in an unjustifiable retort insinuating that the gentleman's remark was a sally of ebriety sir there is one passion i would advise you to command when you have drunk out that glass don't drink another footnote if it was boswell to whom this advice was given it is not unlikely that he needed it the meagreness of his record of johnson's talk at this season may have been due as seems to have happened before to too much drinking End of footnote. here was exemplified what goldsmith said of him with the aid of a very witty image from one of hibber's comedies there is no arguing with johnson for if his pistol misses fire he knocks you down with the butt end of it another was this when a gentleman of eminence in the literary world was violently censured for attacking people by anonymous paragraphs in newspapers he from the spirit of contradiction as i thought took up his defence and said come come this is not so terrible a crime he means only to vex them a little i do not say that i should do it but there is a great difference between him and me what is fit for hephaestion is not fit for alexander another when i told him that a young and handsome countess had said to me i should think that to be praised by dr johnson would make one a fool all one's life and that i answered madam i shall make him a fool to-day by repeating this to him he said i am too old to be made a fool but if you say i am made a fool i shall not deny it i am much pleased with a compliment especially from a pretty woman End of section thirty one